Welcome to the Heights Sermon Series Podcast, where each week you'll hear a new message that'll help you with your life shaped by the Word. Well, and good morning again, everybody. Great to see you today after last week's, we're calling it Snowvid event. I think Karen May coined that term on our staff. It's a snow and COVID event. That's what we had last week and thought we might be running into it again today, but praise the Lord, we're here. It seems like the after the last two years, anytime we gather is becoming a miracle. So uh, glad to be here and all together today. Want to tell you real quickly about an opportunity as we're here in the midst of our season of prayer, 21 days of prayer, and we're, we're coming to the end. We're a- actually in our last four days. This Wednesday night, uh, we're going to have a prayer and praise service in here, and I just want to encourage everybody to be here at that. We're gonna, it's going to start at 6.30. We'll be done at 7.30, and uh, I know probably a lot of us maybe haven't been to a big group prayer. You're not sure what's going to happen. You're not going to be sure, you know, am I going to be put on the spot or anything like that? Uh, I assure you, now David's going to tell you otherwise, but I assure you, you're not going to be put on the spot. Uh, you're you're going you're gonna to pray inside your comfort zone, but he's got a good lesson for us. But uh, I, I do really want to encourage you to be here and be a part. We can pray alone, But what Wednesday night is about praising and calling out to God as a church, and we all together are the church. So come help be a part of that uh, this Wednesday night, and I'm going to ask David now to come and and just give us a little update on our 21 days and kind of final announcements and have a word of prayer for us. And David, I want to ask you to pray, which has been in our 21 days of prayer Uh, We have a a family that's a part of our church, the Gallagher's. They've been members for 20-plus years, and they serve now on the field in Ukraine. And uh, per this morning, they're safe, and their plan is to stay. But here is a prayer request that's kind of become a problem. Their three girls, uh, their passports have come to an end. And all of the non-essential, I assume most of us are up to date on what's going on in Ukraine. All of the non-essential personnel has been pulled out of the embassy, which means it is now difficult to impossible to get those passports renewed. So we want to be praying uh, about that and uh, their work there. And then another long, long-time member of our church, Amy Mead, uh, who's not there permanently, but she's been there quite a few times and is with the Gallagher's right now, has been there for over a month, um, is coming home this Thursday. And so we want to be mindful of her her safe travel. But I know many of you know the Gallagher's. Many of us have been over to Ukraine to serve alongside with them. And so we want to keep them in our prayers as we come into this time. David, share with us a little bit. Hey, uh, so excited to uh, talk with quite a few of you guys about uh, what's been happening over the past few uh, weeks uh, with the um, 21-day prayer and uh, fasting. I love you. A lot of you have said that you're enjoying what the prayer uh, points are. And I want to encourage you, uh, if you have not grabbed a book, uh, this is probably the last book I'm holding here, I think. Um, <laughs> there may be some still left outside on, in the uh, starting point desk. But if you don't have a book, as I'm walking out of here, I'll drop this one to you. So raise your hand. Who needs a book? I see that hand in the back. So I will get you that book uh, on my way out. Um, Wednesday service, uh, I want to encourage you to be there. Uh, we are going to be praying for our children. 
we are going to be praying for the sick, sorrowful. Um, and if you have a situation that you've been praying for for years, for months, and you have not seen it broke, break, and, and you've not seen, like, an answer, uh, we are going to be praying about that. So I encourage you to be there. Um, we are also going to be anointing the sick uh, with oil, a uh, COVID-compliant way. We figured that out. So I encourage you to be there. If you want to stand in the gap for someone that is sick, uh, please do come and be a part of that. I'm going to be sharing a word uh, just to encourage you about the power of your words and your voice. Uh, it is so important for us to understand that as believers, how that affects uh, how things are shaped in the spirit. Uh, so be a, come be a part of that. Um, I think that's all I have. Uh, let us pray for uh, what's happening in Ukraine. Father, we give you glory. We give you praise. We thank you uh, because you are sovereign. We thank you, Lord God, because you are still in control. And I thank you because your word says clearly that you Rule and you reign in the kingdom and the affairs of men. And so we thank you for that. And Lord God, your word also says that you move the hearts of kings like rivers of water. So we pray uh, for the situation in Ukraine. Father God, I pray that you will move the hearts of the kings uh, uh, to... to uh, de-escalate this situation in the name of Jesus. We pray, Father, God, that you would uh, turn the hearts of men uh, towards peace in the name of Jesus. Father, God, we pray for the Gallagher's and the situation there uh, with their daughters, uh, their children's uh, passports. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray, God, that you would direct them. You will lead them to the right office, to the right person, the right conversation uh, in the name of Jesus. Let them connect with someone that will be able to... Uh, help them uh, get the things that they need in order to so that those passports are available for them. And God, we pray for Amy as she heads out. Uh, God, Thursday, God, we cover her uh, with the blood of Jesus. Let the uh, be a smooth trip to the airport. And God, let her be able to get on that flight. Let the flight leave on time. And God, let her arrive here safely. Father, we thank you again uh, because you are faithful. Uh, God, we speak peace into that situation in Ukraine. And we know, God, that you uh, can move and you can change it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, David. Appreciate your leadership during these 21 days of prayer and uh, excited about these next four days in our, our prayer and praise service Wednesday night. Speaking of prayer, that's what we are talking about right now. We're actually thinking about what would God pray? And we've been saying God doesn't pray in the sense that you and I do. He's not looking to someone else for prayer, protection, healing, guidance, provision. Not, not like that. He doesn't pray. We're using that phrase as a way of thinking about things the Scripture teaches us. Like Psalm 37, 4, when I delight in what God delights, he'll give me the desires of my heart. Or 1 John 5, 15, when I pray according to his will, I can be confident that he hears us. So just like you and I, when we pray, we have a desire, we have a will. Well, we're thinking about what God desires, what God wills, and just using that phrase. Hey, if God was praying last week for our family what would he be praying? What is his delight, his will? If God was praying today for me, if God was praying to me, what would that be? And we're looking to Scripture. We're using Scriptures to shape our prayers. Because you and I don't have to guess, hunt, hope, imagine 
what God delights in or desires or what his will is. His word is sharing that with us. So we pray according to his word. And as we learn today what God might be praying for me and therefore what I want to be praying for me, I want to read from Luke chapter 12 to kind of set the tone. This passage isn't about prayer. It's not encouraging prayer. It is just, it's going to set a tone for maybe why we want to pray the things we're going to be praying for ourselves. Look with me, Luke chapter 12. I'll begin in verse 16. Luke chapter 12, verse 16. It says this. This is Jesus. He's telling a story, what he calls a parable. It says there, And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool. This night, your soul is required of you. Now, why does Jesus tell a story where God calls this guy a fool? Is it a a sin to build a bigger barn? No, it's not. Is it a sin to be successful, to have wealth, to be able to enjoy the blessings of that? No, it's not. As a matter of fact, a number of passages that would actually be called a blessing of God. So, so what's the problem here? What, what did this guy do? You know, the issue's not a specific thing he did. It's that in all he did, he did not consider the end. And it appears that if you and I are doing anything, praying about anything, and not considering the end, we likely have no other way of living other than as a fool. Now, good news, you can be a smart fool You can be a pretty fool. You can be a popular fool. And obviously, you can be a rich and successful fool. Bad news. Your life won't be defined by words like smart and rich and pretty and popular. Your life will be defined with just one word. Fool. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 says, It's been appointed unto man to die once, and then comes judgment. You will die, and then you will stand before God. And to not live, to not desire, to not pray, to not work, in light of that one great reality, sets you up to be a fool. Do everything with that in mind. And by the way, you're going to find that to be a real clarifier in life. I bet right now all through this room watching online, boy, we've got some things frustrating us, confusing us. We're just not quite sure what to do next. If you just had this thought, what would I do if I was standing before God tomorrow? I bet you'd be surprised at how clear the answer becomes what you should do. Let me ask you a question, or let me have you think about something. What is two or three things you're praying about right now for yourself? You're confident you're praying for some others, but for yourself, what's two, three things heavy on your heart, big in your mind right now that, that you're thinking about and you're praying about? You got a couple things there? 
Okay, now let me ask you this. Would you be praying the same way, and would they hold the same level of importance on Tuesday morning if you found out tomorrow you had 30 days to live? You say, well, that's a, that's a dumb question. If I got 30 days to live, nothing matters anymore. Oh, no, no. No, if you've got 30 days to live, everything matters. But the point of the question is not to suggest that the things that you and I are praying about, the things that are important to us, the things we're working through, aren't really that important. Oh, no, not at all. No, it's, it's not to suggest at all that they're not important. It is to ask, are we working through those things, dealing with those things, with the end in mind? Because if we're not, then we're setting ourselves up to be a fool. Jesus seems to be saying, live with the end in mind, or you're going to think like a fool, you're going to pray like a fool, and you're quite possibly going to live like a fool. So with that kind of a backdrop, now that's not about prayer, is it? But wow, like, okay, so everything I'm doing, I need to be thinking about the end. Well, how do I do that? Well, we're going to look at some things today and how we pray that would suggest how we prepare for that appointment. I'm going to give you seven things to pray for yourself. I'm suggesting these are seven things that God would be praying for you. Now, don't get caught up in the number seven. I, I, I use, I pray all seven of these things. I have for years, and I've got another verse that I pray every single day that didn't make my list of seven, and it is just as important as any of the seven things. So I had, I had to stop at some number, right? So the goal's not a number. I'm not suggesting this is an exhaustive list. I would actually say use today's, I would use today's message and challenge you as you read scripture, build your own list of things you want to scripture pray into your life. So my seven things are just getting the ball rolling. Just getting you thinking about how we grab a verse and that becomes a part. That's God's delight. That's God's will. That's what we read and how we pray these into our lives. So seven things for today. The first two go together. We'll look at them individually, but they go hand in hand. And the first prayer we want to pray for ourselves is that I would love the Lord my God with all I am and with all I have. Why would I want to pray that? A guy walked up one time and asked Jesus, what's the most important command? You know, another way of saying what's the most important command is, what's the most important thing in life? What's the most important thing I can do? What is the big it in life? And Jesus said, I'm glad you asked. Here it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great thing in life. This is the first thing in, in sense of priority. This is the great thing. This is the priority of life to love God. Boy, folks, think of how many things we do, how many things we're working on right now, and we're not taking into account loving God. Can I actually be doing anything right if I'm not looking at how I love God through this, how I love God as I do this? And, and so I want to pray about this. Hey, Lord, help me love you. Help, help me love you with, with my time. Help me love you with my money. Help me love you with my energy. Help me love you with my abilities. Help me love you with my opportunities. God, help me love you with my fears, with my frustrations. Help me love you with, my, with what I'm mad about. 
God, help me love you in this decision. When I make this decision, may I be thinking most importantly about how does this decision help me love you? Does this decision impact maybe my moving me away from loving you? God, guard me from people, from decisions, from attitudes, from ideas that could draw me away from your love. Hey, God, would you show me the things in my life that are contradicting me saying I'm loving you? I come in here this morning, Lord, and I, I want to tell you I love you so much, but there's this thing in my life and there's this thing from yesterday that are saying, no, he doesn't. Not really. Oh, God, may I see those things and may I repent. You see, I just take that command and I just start to, to think through the areas of my life, the different things that I'm praying about, and how do I love God in this? Now, the second thing we pray about, and Jesus put these two together, he said there's a second, and it's just like it. Now, when he says there's a second, he's not saying here's the number one prayer, here's the number two prayer. That little phrase, is like it, means these things go hand in hand. The phrase we use is two sides of the same coin. There's two sides, but there's no separation of the sides. It's, it's just one coin. You don't have one without the other. God's saying you don't have love for God when you don't have love your neighbor as yourself. So I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. Okay, well, that kind of leads to the question, well, like, who, who's, who's my neighbor? Is it just the two people on each side of me? What about the person across the street? Or, Lord, the guy behind me that leaves his floodlight on all night long and shines right into my bedroom, does that include him? I think his house is more than like 200 feet away. Is there like a certain amount of distance where they're no longer my neighbor? And so Jesus says, you know, I I get your confusion. And so he tells us a story. We refer to it as the story of the Good Samaritan, where Jesus defines who our neighbor is. This is a little bit discouraging. Your neighbor is planet Earth. All 8 billion. Come on, Lord. They're not all my neighbor. Anybody on planet Earth that crosses your path and that you can serve that's your neighbor. Like, seriously, Lord, really? Okay, I don't know how I'm going to do that. Maybe I should pray about it. This seems to be a big thing to God, right? Hey, Lord, would you help me to see today who you want me to love? I mean, I know you want me to love everybody, right? But Jesus, you tell me a story where you seem to imply you'll actually bring people into my path. May I see the person you're bringing into my path? May I not just love them, but may I love them the way you want me to love them? May I I serve the need you see that they have? Jesus said, this is the great and first thing that life is all about, and a second is just like it. Folks, think how many things you've done the last seven days. Think how many things you do day in and day out and never take into one single millisecond of thought loving God or loving others. How How are we possibly preparing for an appointment that will be about this when we live our whole lives not thinking about it one bit other than when we're in a Bible study or sitting in church. And I'm sure every now and then, you know, I know loving God's important. But what if, what if I were to pray about it? I mean, this sounds like something I should pray about every day, but at least weekly, right? If every single week I was praying about, maybe it would make me more sensitive to the idea That in everything I'm working on, everything I'm trying to decide, everything I desire, 
I'm thinking about that, working on that with the idea of how does this love God? How does this love others? Does this help me love God and others? Does this hinder me from loving God and others? I just start thinking about everything through that command. You know, if I was praying about it all the time, there's a good chance I'm going to become sensitive to it and thinking about it all the time, which means I'm getting prepared for that appointment out there. Number three. Number three, be filled with the Spirit and abide in Christ. I put these two things together because they're similar, but they're different. They're different in the sense that two different members of the Trinity, uh, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, are identified, two different actions, but it's very much about how to, the same in how you and I live life. So being filled in the Spirit or walking in the Spirit, Ephesians 5.18 says, don't get drunk with wine, that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, those sound like two very different things, issues, ideas to put in the same sentence. What's that about? Well, the first one is an illustration. God says, hey, listen, you know what happens when your body gets filled with alcohol. It influences. That's what the word filled means, to be influenced by. We actually use that phrase in the English language, don't we? We're driving under the influence. If we get enough alcohol, it now is entirely influencing how I walk, talk, think, and act. So God says, no, don't do that. Instead, think of the Holy Spirit that way. Get so filled with the Spirit that he's influencing how you walk, talk, think, and act. Well, how does that happen? You pray about it every morning. Holy Spirit, would you fill me? Holy Spirit, would you control me? Influence how I walk, talk, think, and act. Influence how I handle this today. Influence how I respond to this today. And that's, that would be kind of a general prayer we pray in the morning. But then throughout the day, you know, maybe somewhere along the way, you just realized I just sinned. You ever had that? That you should be saying yes. Uh, you know, we're going through a day. I started it off good, but by 1017, pow, there's a sin. Well, obviously, the Holy Spirit didn't influence that sin. So the moment I recognize sin in my life, I'm now recognizing I'm not under the influence of the Spirit. So I confess that sin, and I ask for a fresh filling or a fresh influencing of the Spirit. I kind of recommit myself to that. This, isn't, this is not just a once-a-day This is an everyday, all-day prayer that we're asking for the influence of the Spirit. And now, right alongside of this, there is abiding in Christ. John 15, verse 5, Jesus says, I am the vine and you all are the branches. You're coming out of me. You draw life and energy from me. Abide in me and I'll abide in you and you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I used to read that and think, well, I mean, I can do things without you. I'm not saying that boastfully or proudly, but I do. You do. We do all kinds of things without Christ. So what do you mean I can't do anything without you, Christ? Well, he would say, you can't do anything that counts. You can't do anything that you'll want to go to that appointment and want to talk about. Okay, now that clears it up. <laughs> I understand that. So I want to abide in Christ because I've got an appointment out there. That's what I'm preparing for. What does it mean to abide? It means I'm living this day for Jesus. I'm living this day by Jesus. I'm living this day with Jesus. You know how you do all that? Prayer. 
You know what I just described? A constant dialogue, a constant conversation going on with Jesus throughout our day. We're just approaching everything with him. Hey, Jesus, would you help me with this? Hey, Jesus, would you guide me in this? Hey, Jesus, would you encourage, help me, give me wisdom, whatever. We're just living every single moment in Christ. If you're abiding in him, if you're living in him, your life's going to bear much fruit. That appointment is going to bear much fruit. How do we do all this? Man, it's, it's by prayer. You know, folks, how many people, you ever heard somebody say, well, I just, I've, I've tried the Christian life. I just can't make it work. I must be the only one that can't make it work. I guess everybody at church is doing a real good job with it, but I sure am not. <laughs> You're not the only one. Think how many of us are trying to live the Christian life day in and day out, and we're never once thinking about being influenced by the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. We're never once thinking about abiding in Christ. And then we wonder why the Christian life isn't making much sense to us or the Christian life isn't making much difference to us. I mean, here's these two major commands describing, defining what it means to live with Christ and we don't even, they don't even show up on our radar. Well, what if I was to start praying about them daily? Number four, number four, more than an answer, I want your will. Now, what do I mean by more than an answer? I don't know about y'all, but when I pray, I usually suggest an answer to God. You know, hey, you know, if, Lord, if you're taking, uh, you know, thoughts and ideas on this, this is what I would suggest. You know, I don't just want an answer. I, I want this answer. But, but really what we're doing with this prayer now is we're saying, I, I want your will. Ephesians 5.17 says, don't be foolish. Oh, we've got a theme today. Don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, I almost like I got, we're going to have to start a sermon now on finding the will of God. I, I think most of the time we approach God's will wrong. You know, we, we, first of all, what we do with God's will is we only think about it in big decisions. You know, do I take this job or that job? Do we move? You know, do I get married or not get married? Do I go to this school or do I go to that school? Folks, we need to think, be thinking about God's will on the big things, the medium things, and the small things. Let's go ahead and add the extra big and the extra small. On everything, we need to be thinking of God's will. Now, God's will certainly has that's a way to take and that's not a way to take. But as for do I go to this school or that school, you know what God wants you to do? Choose. You can do all of my will at that school and you can do all of my will at that school. You can do everything I want you to be and do in this job. You can do everything I want you to be and do in this job. You can do what you want. Really, can I? If you're walking by the Spirit and abiding in Christ. See how all of a sudden now this all works together? Man, when I'm walking in the Spirit and abiding in Christ, I can choose what I want to do. Okay, so what's God's will about? Okay, as I make a decision about a job or a mate or a school or just should I be a part of this? Should I be doing this? What has God said? What, what has God communicated about jobs and relationships? And should I be a part of this activity or that activity? Should this be my attitude or should that be my attitude? What, what has God said? You see, don't be a fool, but understand what the Lord has said about these things. And let that be how you take on whatever school you go to or whatever job you take or if you move or if you don't move. God gives great freedom to live life under the influence of the Spirit, and abiding in Christ. But that's what, hey, God, make me sensitive to what your will is. Make me sensitive to where you've spoken to this. Bring good counsel into my life. 
Bring your word into my life and help me draw from it what I need to know for this. Number five, that people can see you in me and praise you. Jesus said, Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before others so that when they see the good you are, when they see the good that you're doing, they end up praising God in heaven. So so that, that becomes my prayer. God, as I go into this meeting, as I go to practice today, as I play this game, as I send this email, as I do these things, I pray people see you in that. Now, I'll be honest with you, that's a little bit confusing to me. Like when it talks about doing good. Okay, so if I go over and I do good for my neighbor, my, you know, my neighbor's sick and I, you know what, a good thing, I could mow their yard. Well, when I get done mowing their yard, what are they going to say? They're probably not going to say praise God. They're probably going to say, thank you, Randy, right? I don't, it's not a trick question, right? Yeah. As a matter of fact, every time I've done something like that, I don't think ever once I've heard them say, praise God. So did that, does that mean I messed it? How does this work, Lord, where I go when I be good and I do good, but they praise you? You know what? Here's what I've come to. I don't have to understand how that happens. I just need to know that's the goal. Lord, as I go over here to do this, as I just try to live right in front of them, I pray they see you. And I pray when I walk away, maybe they're thinking about what I just did for them or what I'm like, but I pray when I walk away, I pray they're drawn to you. I pray it's you they search out. I pray it's you they end up praising. You see, I, I, I don't have to figure out how God does that, how they end up praising. I just need to know That's the goal. Number six, look at this. Hey, wait a minute. We've already covered that one. That's how we started the message. Now, I didn't phrase it in a prayer. I phrased it as a backdrop, that this is why we want to incorporate these things into our prayer life, because we've got an appointment out there, and you and I spend a lot of time working on things, being things, and doing things that aren't going to help me at that appointment unless I weave the right prayers into all of those things. But this is a prayer, isn't it? God, help me live in light of the fact I'm going to stand before you. On anything and everything I'm working about, I just get so caught up in whether it makes me happy and whether they stop and whether they start. God, made the big thing be that I live this in a way that I'm prepared to stand before you. Again, we rarely think about this, but what if I started incorporating it into my prayer life? And now all of a sudden, I'm becoming sensitive to everything I'm doing, working on, being, trying. Hey, it all shows up somewhere. And I want to live in light of that. Number seven is like number six, except just a little bit different. It says that I desire your return. Did you know that the Bible says there is a reward? There's a crown given to those who genuinely desire the return of Christ. Now, if I ask you, do you hope Jesus comes back? I'm thinking we get 100% on that one. And my guess is, periodically, you say, boy, I, I sure hope Jesus comes back soon. But does that mean we're really desiring that? You know, I have found in my own life, when I really desire something, I think about it every day. When I really desire something, I work on it every day. Do you think about the return of the Lord every day? No, you don't. I'm just going to answer that for you. Do you work on the return of the Lord? How would I work on the return of the Lord? The Bible says you go out and share the gospel. One day the last person will be shared with and then he comes back. We actually have an impact on how the timing of that might work out. 
We, we do think about, we do seek to impact what we really, really desire. So I'm not talking about there's a reward for saying, oh, I hope Jesus comes back one day. I'm talking about it's the desire of your life. But that's not where I stopped. My, my prayer isn't just that I would desire your return, but that I would see that's the great answer to every prayer. By the way, I love Revelation twenty two twenty. It's the only prayer I know that begins with amen. Amen. Come back, Jesus. That's the prayer. You know, I, I pray this at the end of my prayer every day. Because I've just told God about a lot of stuff. And I've told him my ideas on all of that stuff and what I would like. You know, folks, do you realize if God gives me everything I want the way I asked for it, my problems aren't solved and this world isn't fixed. Everything he does for me is temporary. You know, when God heals... He hit, boy, we thought it just weren't going to, and then God healed them. You know, they're still going to die. I hate to let you in on that. They still die. When Jesus comes back, every prayer request of all time is fully, ultimately, finally answered. Because when Jesus comes back, there's no more tears. There's no more death. There's no more brokenness. There's no more emptiness. There's nothing else to say, God, please help ever again. That's the big answer. And when I understand it like that, oh God, my day is consumed by these things I've just asked about and it's hard for my day not to be consumed by these things, but God, may I keep in the front of my heart and mind, there's one big answer. There's one big thing and it's you coming back. May that be my great desire. Now folks, I think I've been communicating through these, I guess, three messages now when I say these seven things, that doesn't mean stop praying, you, you know, that, that your kid's team wins the game Thursday night. That doesn't mean stop praying about the math test. That doesn't mean stop praying about the interview. Only pray for these things. No, I take these seven things and now I weave them into all of those things that are on my heart and mind. Hey, God, as I go into that interview, I pray they see you and me. God, as I go into that interview, and boy, Lord, I'm thinking this interview is the big thing in all of life. May I remember there's something bigger. There's loving you, and there's your return. God, as I'm trying to decide, make a decision on what we do here, God, does loving you impact this decision? Does how I love others, would that, would that come? Would you give me insight into that? You see, I'm taking these seven things, and I'm weaving them through all of the other things I'm praying about. Last week, we talked about praying for our families, but really what I shared was very narrow. I, we were only talking about praying family dynamics by what God delights in and God's will and what God said about family. But you and I pray a lot of things for family that has nothing to do with our family dynamics. What if I was to take these things and pray them for my mate, for my parents, for my children? You know, I know my child's over here struggling with a decision and what they do, and they're very overwhelmed. Why I hate, Lord, as they do this, may they see the opportunity in this decision to love you. And may that become the focus of what they're working through, how they love you, how they love others. Hey, hey God, as they're working through this, they see pretty overwhelmed by just what today brings. May they realize everything they're doing right now ultimately is about preparing for an appointment. 
You see how these seven things can be things we pray into other people's lives and what they've got going on. Hey, you know who you should pray these seven things for? Anybody who has control over your life, right? Hey, we all have people who, can, who tell us this is where you're going today. This is what you're doing today. Sometimes they have more influence than just today. They shape so much about our lives. Wouldn't you like to know that person loves the Lord, the God, with all their heart, soul, and mind? Wouldn't you like that person to know they're going to stand before God one day? And what a great thing to pray for people that are influencing, shaping, and molding our lives. And then our enemies. What if you were to pray this, this for your enemies? You know, Jesus says pray for your enemies. We all universally just absolutely ignore Jesus' command on that. We don't do it. You say, how do you know I don't? Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Go up here and correct me. Yeah, we don't. We don't pray for enemies. And when we do, okay, I'll pray for my enemy. God, would you strike them dead? Now, I think if you'll go to the passage where Jesus says pray for your enemies, I don't think that's what he meant. I don't, I don't think that was the angle he was taking. So maybe we say, okay, God, yeah, you know, bless them if you want. Not what I would do. I mean, that's really, pray for my enemy. I don't even like them. What am I supposed to pray for them? What if I prayed these seven things? What if I was praying these seven things into that person's life? Boy, that's really kind of getting specific and detailed. You know, here, let's do this. Let's wrap up. I've gone long. Here's your homework for the week. Here's your homework assignment. I want you to pray these seven things for seven days for two people. Pray all seven things for seven days. Now, when I say all seven things, I'd take one day and I'd pray all seven things. Maybe the next day I'm going to focus on one and really dig deep into praying that one or maybe two or three. But for seven days, I'm going to work with all seven of these things for two people. Here's the two people, yourself and an enemy. You said, well, you said an enemy, like I have one. I've got lots. I just pick one. Pick one, okay? Two people, yourself and an enemy. And you pray these seven things for seven days. Now, I don't know what all's going to happen, but I can, guarantee, I can guarantee you one thing that will happen. If you will really do this, at the end of seven days, you will have more understanding of the heart and the mind of Christ for you and your enemy than you've ever had before. And I can't think of anything more profound to have than the heart and mind of Christ. I can't think of anything better to have than the heart and mind of Christ when I stand before God. Let's pray. Lord, I, I, uh, I know I have. I'm sure a lot. We, we have treated prayer as such a mystery. Uh, I, I thank you for actually how clear you've made everything. You've, you've communicated what you delight in. You've communicated what your will is. You've, you've done that on all of the areas, all of the relationships of our life. Lord, we've just been really lazy with your word. And we're sorry for that. Lord, I, I, I pray that every one of us 
we'll take this homework assignment seriously. I pray we'll take these seven things, we'll pray them into our lives, we'll pray them into the lives of a, of a person out there that we're struggling with, that, that we're having a real difficulty with right now. You told me to love my enemies like myself. What a perfect place to do that as in prayer. To pray for my enemy the very same way I'm praying for myself. Lord, we want your heart and mind. And I pray that wherever we are in our journey with you, some of us are just beginning, some of us way down the road, but God, wherever we are in our journey with you, I, God, I pray you'll do something profound in each of our lives this week. Show us yourself. Show us something, God, as we do this. That'll change things forever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.